What's up, humans, and welcome to episode 43 of the Human Music Podcast, Rhythm J on How Sync Music Works. Rhythm J is an experienced producer and engineer who's worked with some awesome artists, helped run the iStandard producer community, and had his music placed in over 700 TV shows. He's here this week to talk to us about building relationships, how to avoid scams, finding reputable music libraries, and the pros and cons of working in sync music. Please support our sponsors, including the weekly download where you can have access to over 200 lessons from our mentor, Ill Gates, and guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake, the best engineer we know. Your first class is free. And finally, Gangaroo Records Music Distribution, where you can get unlimited music uploads for under $10. Check the links below for all of those. And without further ado, let's go learn from Rhythm J. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Human Music Podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? Welcome back to the Human Music Podcast. I'm your friend, Luke Rain, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood, Trap Jesus. Here with me, as always, my good homies, Rip Kenny and Tesco. And this week, we have on someone special. We've got my dude, Rhythm J. I know him through the iStandard community that I talk so much about. And this dude, he's a super dope producer, super cool cat, very knowledgeable and happy to share that knowledge. And he has been synced high key flex on over 700 TV shows. So this is the guy we want to learn from for sure about anything in that. uh, But we're going to let him get started with just like the superhero origin story. Like what, you know, what got you into music? And then how'd you get from that starting point to where you are today? And we are going to go on lots of tangents, I'm sure. So we're going to have fun with it. Rhythm J, talk to the people. Talk yeah, to the man, humans. I, I'm super guilty of tangents myself. I'll give you that. Uh, Trap Jesus, great. That, that was a, a super generous intro. Appreciate that. Rick, Kenny, Tesco, thank you for having me on the show. Goddamn, dude said origin story. Yeah, no doubt. You said origin story. Yeah, like what what was your first like musical you know experience like what you know what was the the first thing that got you like oh i can make this i can do this that's a good question let me take some pressure off you i played clarinet in in middle school <laughs> yeah i, I mean you don't go that far back yeah i played drums in school so hey. started there but as far as understanding even what production was right because we all been here at the at one point where you know whether it's elementary school middle school high school when you listen to your favorite album back in the day, when you literally went to the store and bought the CD, popped in the CD player and played it, you didn't ever thought that someone else did the beat. I, I guess maybe nowadays, because it's more prevalent and the producer is like a more recognized thing now than it was back then. But if you heard a Jay-Z record, you just assume, oh, Jay-Z did just found that beat and just rapped on it. Like, it never crossed my mind that like another person created something. Yeah, I assumed Puff Daddy made all the beats on on yeah. No Way Out. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's exactly. Puff Daddy's music, totally. Yeah, Puffy, because he's talking all over the beats, so therefore it's him. Everything, 
hundred percent puff and just big just rap on everything, whatever. It was just, I didn't yeah, realize like, there were samples yeah. in all those songs. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's that and, and just you assume it's like a live band or I don't know what, man. I, like, you know, people's just minds me. people's minds don't go there when you're industry minded. Right. So the first the first for me, honestly, wasn't way it wasn't until way later to like chronic two thousand one is when I realized, wait, Dr. Dre raps on this, but he's also doing the beats and he's producing because you know, there was footage and there was pictures of him in the studio back in the day. And they really focused on that. And, and really that album, I mean, the first chronic obviously was really where you, you Ooh. know, knew, knew, like showcased his publishing. But, you know, I had to go back to that because I was like, you know, seven or whatever when that came yeah, out. So I wasn't listening listen to chronic you know, when I, at that age, but, you know, I went, I caught up and went back, but it was really chronic 2001 for me that, that was like, okay, I understand this now. Yeah. That and picture then, of him sitting at the, at the big board with a huge bag of weed. With the Exactly. And then you went back and we were like, oh yeah, big pimpin', that's Timberland. And like, then you started understanding, okay, this makes sense. And then, you know, and then I started reading the lighter notes, K West, who's that blueprint? Liner notes. Oh, this K West guy is dope. He's gonna be he's gonna be here for a while. Like I remember thinking that pre college dropout, and then yeah. you can't believe where he is now. I'm like, hmm, maybe I could find this guy one day and just see how he works. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I, heard like, <laughs> of, I heard of him because of a get by Talib Kweli, and I was like, yo, this beat's crazy. And I finally realized it was producers. And I was like, who? who okay, Kane Kane West. Just like that yeah, line, yeah. he says, asking who Kane West is. That was literally yeah. the first thing I said. Who's this Kane West guy? Um, makes no beats. Or the or the record featuring um was a Scarface and a uh, Beanie Siegel. Yeah, can't be like. I think yes. I think kind of did that. I think that was like one yeah, of the first. Yeah, Jay Z brought up. She was great. Right record said, yeah, yeah. Was was that um what was that Dynasty? I don't even remember, man. It was one of the. He was on one of the Blueprints. No, was on the Blueprint. No, is that can't this can't be life. No, no, that was okay. that was pre that was pre Blueprint. But uh, all right, on yeah. Dynasty, then yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. If not, don't you know? I'm a, I'm gonna Google it. We gotta people be accurate. Talking, people in the comments, yo, nah, you fucked up. <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever the fuck. Yo, people man. in the comments, chill, chill, chill. I don't we know some memory, know. but yeah, but yeah. Point being, that's when I realized, oh shit, you can actually do this. At first, I wanted to be an engineer, right? So I went to I went to school, not even with no intentions of producing, right? Good old SUNY Oneonta in in upstate New York, where it. You know, we had a snowstorm today. You think it's cold here in Staten Island? No, it's fucking cold up there. So you go up there, and uh, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be the guy that is nice with music business and, uh, you know, maybe be an A&R, maybe engineer and record people. But I never had a desire to produce until probably like a year in to school. So I, I started at like, you know, late 18, early 19 years old is when I started actually, you know, I got, I remember to this day, Fruity Loops 4. Was the first program that I got and uh, started there back when making shit on software was not the thing. I was like, should I buy this? Is this legit? Should I like? Are people gonna you know look down on me for doing this and not using an MPC or whatever the equipment was? The answer is yes, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> you but, were ahead of the curve. <laughs> but you were ahead of your time. No, not really. <laughs> but uh. You know, because what turned me off a lot from engineering was that whole studio environment of arrogant fucking engineers that thought they knew everything. Oh, let's 
oh, my my wires and my microphone and my mic placements and da 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 and oh, you should use this microphone and this and it's like fuck you, gearhead motherfuckers, right? <laughs> it, it muddied up so much of like what I thought I wanted to do, and I thought to myself, if I got to deal with motherfuckers like this, I'm not no like, and I want to work with artists more. I don't want to work with these idiots. Not that all engineers are assholes, but you know, a lot of them have that like I fucking know everything mentality. And it's like, and, and the less they know, the more they act like they know a lot of times. Uh, so classic, on any yeah. kind of, any kind of engineering forum in the early 2000s, you would assume that because they're yeah. all just angry dudes posting about what nobody yeah. else knows. Uh, oh, you know, I, I miss forums. And what's, yeah. and, what's amaz- and what's amazing about that that I learned now is that the more humble an engineer is, the doper their, their credits are. I mean, and not, to, not to label this guy as an engineer because he does so many other things, but like exhibit A to that is a guy like Ken Lewis, who, yes. I, who I look up to as one of the fucking goats. And, uh, you know, dude's, dude has like 100 plus plaques in. And he's yeah. humble and, yeah, he's not like he doesn't have a shitty attitude that one would think one would have if they have 100 plaques under their belt and they could be a dickhead if they wanted to. And he chooses not to. So, I don't know, but like so, at that point, not having to just I said, you know what, I'm I'm not gonna just record other people's music. I want to make it, and it just kind of all came together, you know, over that you know that year of just really thinking about it and going, okay, yeah, I'm gonna fucking do this, and you know, didn't have it look back since, you know, and just, and just learned the hard way pre YouTube, and just learning how to do shit. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you got when you got into when FL four mm-hmm. did you were, did you dabble for a couple of years or did you just go in hard like oh my god I love this like I'm gonna Bro, do this every day I made all my Fruit Loops four beats were trash as they as as they all are the first they year were, yo they were trash and I did not play those shits for known uh, for known artists I did not send out beats anybody I just worked with. Per, close personal friends that just was like, yo, I need a rap. I'm going to do this song. You know, yo, you got beats? Yeah, here, I'll play these for you. And I don't know why, you know, maybe because they were friends of mine. They were like, yo, I love that shit. And then, you know, we would just go in, go in the studio and record it. Like, you know, I'll still engineer and I'll still mix, but like, you know, I don't claim to be like a, a, a famous uh, engineer or mixer, but, you know, I do it out of necessity mm-hmm. a lot of times. So, um, hey, man. Yeah. And just. Do you recall? Sorry to cut you off. No, go, go ahead. Do you recall around that time if there was like a specific producer that really like drove you towards that? Um, like I know you said, obviously you didn't want to work with the engineers so much, but was there like somebody you looked up to where you're like, "All right, that's a go. Oh, yeah. I want to do it because I see them doing it, and like I'm gonna I'm gonna follow yeah. in their steps," kind of thing. Oh man, yeah. I mean, my favorite producers back in that day, and and, and probably still to this day, will we'll probably have to be Dr. Dre. I mean, some cliche list. I'm gonna tell you right now: Dr. Dre, Timberland, Kanye West. Rick Rubin, uh, RZA. I'm trying to think who else. Cliche list with good reason. The goats, the Mount Rushmore, like exactly. Uh, you know Quincy Jones. Woo. All the all the obvious greats. You know you still look up to those guys and and uh, try to do it like them, but do it your own way. And uh, oh, did I say just Blaze? Oh, just, you just did. Yeah, I just, to that. Just Blaze, like to yeah, me, just he was. Blazy. He was he was top ten for the longest for me. I mean, just you know, I think I think when I started so like early early, I, I was basically making a lot of copycat just Blaze beats, 
right? I didn't, I didn't understand it at first. Like, what the fuck? I want dope horns in my beats. Just Blaze didn't copyright the horn. I can put horns in my shit. But it wasn't that. It was just the way I was chopping shit up. And I realized, okay. And then every time, and then it evolved into, this sounds too Just Blaze. Let me stop doing this and do the opposite. And I think the difference between producers who evolve and keep going are people that change, you know, they change their sound and they want to sound the opposite of the people they look up to. Like, I, like I try to not sound like RZA ever. I don't want to do him a disservice. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> Amen. You know? It's about like, taking I'm, the influence of like how yeah. it made you feel and yeah. maybe some of the underlying structure of like, oh, I get it. They put swing on their drums or whatever, like, yeah. you know, but like then making sure you're doing you past that, like on top of that. Exactly. Like like if it was like overly dark and grimy, like a RZA beat, I would be like, all right, this is too, this is too dark. Let me brighten it up. Let me add some synths in here. Let me add some, you know, and just adding, I, I guess in the beginning too, for a lot of art, for a lot of uh, producers, they, they add too much shit to their beats. And I learned that the hard way because there was a time, there's a, few years where i was just adding way too much shit to my beats like well, this is gonna be the biggest fucking most epic cinematic sounding beat on the planet it's like nah you can hit mute here 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 and here now that shit's banging because you got another instrument you have to add later which is artists that part that yeah. part that's that part. something that uh it also took me a hot minute to to learn and like going around all the eye standard battles and and getting that feedback from the judges mm -hmm. of like yo where's the artist gonna go though you know? Man, yo, you know what? Honestly, it was great because being going through the ranks, right? Like shout the hat, shout the Don. Like those were my guys for the longest. And I still look up to those guys as as friends and just the relationship goes back over a decade now at this point. It's ridiculous. It's crazy how long I've known this guy where I started out like as their marketing guy and then like the event coordinator. And then I was like VP and then president of the company for a little bit. Uh, but learn I did never had to go to the slaughter of going on that stage, but learned something every time I was at one of those shows because that panel of judges, you know, I would learn from D dot or, you know, Ken Lewis, I'll bring him back again or any A&R at the time that was up there. Like shout out to Tony G, Dre McKenzie up in G unit, right? Like they did the shows a hundred times. And, and so learning like Rock Wilder just getting floored by people shit and telling you why and like, ooh, okay, I gotta incorporate that kind of thing. Shout to Rock Wilder, man. Shout to Jimmy Kendricks. Like, these guys, I still talk to those guys to this day, where like they're they're like it's crazy how back in the day before I picked up Fruity Loops 4, I would play the MOP album or I'll play Blueprint 2, or I'll play, you know, something where it's like, oh shit you're on this record that I used to love back in the day when I never thought of doing music. And now like, I fucking know you and I can text you and, and communicate that's to me. That's the crazy shit. Yeah, man. Being around those kind of communities. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. But shout out to those guys. I, I learned, I learned so much from them. Uh, I mean, shit. the Rockwater like literally had a beat whole song named after him by red man and method man. Like, with one of the yeah. illest beats, yeah. first off ever, but of that era for sure. Yeah, man. And 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 shout to him too, because with this Czar record with Buster Rhymes, I told him this myself. I said he smacked the whole New York City in the mouth with that one. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. that and it reverberated <laughs> elsewhere. 
He sure did. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's the guy right there. Um, yeah. And, um, so, so I'm curious, timeline wise. So how mm-hmm. how much after you know getting into producing and going uh, to school and working with these people, like how far along after in your journey was like getting involved with I Standard and like doing all these things, and then like leading up to sort of that first placement or like first notable yeah. moment for you as a producer. Yeah, I mean, less that's less than a year out of school. I was already running with I Standard because I, I was working at ASCAP at the same time, like fresh out of school. And so when you're fresh out of school and when you work at a company like ASCAP, they're going to pay you garbage. Shout to ASCAP for paying me garbage because I never thought I would have to get a side hustle with I Standard. But because ASCAP paid me like trash, I had to go get a side hustle. And that side hustle was I Standard, right? So rolling with Hatch and Don. And the only reason... The way I ran into those guys is crazy. I don't know if I ever told this story. Back when I was interning at another label, I ran to these producers known as the Get Tones, and I heard about these producership showcases. So I, you know, I wasn't, my experience was not like I wasn't going to get on the stage. I was like, yo, you guys are nice. You should get on this. Right. So I actually went through the whole I standard process from the perspective of a producer's point of view. And the way Hatch and Don presented it and all the connects, I was like, yeah, after the show, I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm running with these guys because they know what the fuck they're doing. These are the people I got to be with. And I just ran with them and the rest was history. But um, I don't know if I'm fully answering your question. But uh, well, ask it again because I want to make sure I get this right. So, yeah, I was just wondering, like, timeline-wise, how everything yeah. fit together and sort of how right. that led to, like, your first notable moment as a Right, first, first notable moment, right? So at these iStander shows, you meet a lot of people, right? It's not just Hatch and Don. It's a whole whole group of people. I ran to this guy by the name of DJ Bedtime. I don't know if you guys know DJ Bedtime, but uh, he's um he he DJed for uh, Remy Ma. I don't know. I'm sure he still does to this point. But uh, he was running with a guy, and I standard in general was running with a guy um by the name of uh, Shah Simuli, which is really dope. And so I ran into his DJ at the time, who Bedtime knew, and straight just introduced me to him. And uh, I said, Yo, I would love to send you some beats for Shah Simuli because he was a to me he was a dope MC. And and to this day, he's one of the dopest lyricists. That, that I know compared to all artists that have come out, uh, you know, and he, he's really dope. So I sent some beats and he was like, yeah, we're working on an album, uh, all CB Wonder samples. So I cooked up a bunch of those and uh, fast forward the album, Google it, Spotify. It's called Hotter Than July, Shot Stimuli. And uh, I was on there um, and a Young Clams Casino was also on that album. Sick. Which is really dope. And uh Fun note on him too. Uh, he was an I standard a bunch of times. I don't think he ever won. <laughs> but I I met him a bunch of times and he was a good dude from what I remember. Um, it got to a point where I text him and he didn't start texting me back because he just got real busy and real big and you know maybe change his number. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe Clams is listening to this. Maybe uh, you know he replied. Hey, shout, shout out Clams that that shout that joined. Yeah, that that joint I'm God is sick. Yo, dude, that was very disturbing. And it just goes to show that for all you people out there that took an L at an I Sander show, there's still hope for you. You can still get some Grammys and some plaques and all and the whole nine. So uh <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, dude, like medicine, huge career now. I remember seeing him at the at the uh was that Beast of the Beats eight? He ended up not what? winning, he ended up coming in third. For real? Yeah, and medicine. He was like 15 years old. His folks brought him to New York from Dallas, 
and he's you know he's just out there just being super cool and happy to be there what does his beats sound like at the time uh they sounded like future bass when nobody had heard future bass like we did not know what to call that shit and it was filthy and like he ended up not winning but like i remember specifically like ill mind being like bro you should have fucking won that shit you were like Mm-hmm. to me you're the winner of it and you know like looking back i mean like everybody else that was there like a lot of that like top thing through is like doing really good things but when yeah. it comes down to it, yeah like he he really had his own thing going his own like special brand of a future base like really cool stuff that that you know i didn't know what to call it at the time it was like a few years before i actually knew what future base was mm-hmm. and then i was like oh shit i heard that i heard that way back then oh this That's is crazy Oh, <laughs> here goes one other early I standard story that helped me as far as like first batch of placements when I started taking the shit seriously was um this was probably a year into I standard a year or less and uh, the first batch of and I'm off free loops for now I think I'm on like reason now right at this point hey, the, first, the first batch of reason beats like the first ten I sent over to our guy Sis and Big he was, Sis. He was working. I was in a clubhouse with him. What'd you say? I was just in a clubhouse room with him right before this. Very dope. Shout out to Sis. I sent him beats because I know he rapped and he was putting a mixtape together. And I, uh, I ended up producing this uh, track called Crush Rock, which was him, Reef the Lost Cause, and Nico the Beast, and this other artist. And what happened know, And what happened there was I basically, right? I never claimed to be a professional mixer, but I ended up mixing a ton of Nico the Beast stuff. And that kind of got me the experience of working one-on-one as a producer slash artist where he would come out with projects. I would place a bunch of tracks with him. And at that point it was just more like for the love of the music and just, here you go. And then Nico just like took it where, where, where we took it. Uh, I mixed a full album where it was like a, it was just him and Vanderslice. I just did a whole album. I just mixed the whole shit. Right. And then the album after that, I mixed the whole thing. I had like, you know, three, four tracks on that one and just, he would come to me with samples. Yo, flip this. You know, where now I'm not just making random tracks and sending it. Now it's like, oh, you're specifically saying I want you to flip this and make a record out of it and do this. And so I've created my way and kind of give him ideas, give me ideas, and you know the synergy was was great there. And uh, shout out to my guy Nico because you know he's still doing this thing to this day, to to this day as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's what got me going. Like, yo, I can like do this shit for real. And so I haven't stopped since and, uh, you know, just got involved with the TV stuff. And, and, uh, but I'm, I'm always like, to me, I'm, I don't even consider myself a TV guy to be honest with you. Like uh, to, to me, uh, it's, it's crazy because, you know, people know me as me that as that now because of all the results, but what kind of happened was just, I just got tired of the rat race of just submitting beats to artists, labels, doing these A&R meetings where it's like, here, listen to my beats. I hope you love them and play them for artists and that they like it. And then the shit is placed and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then you go to all these panels and you go, yo, it's about relationships. So I'm just like, it's not about fucking relationships. Let's fuck out of here. I mean, yeah, not with you motherfucker with the artists. Like that's the part. That you out. <laughs> right. So, or, or, or yeah. here's your relationship is yeah. Know an artist before they're famous, do a shit ton of work with them and be on their first fucking album. And they'll come back to you because you help blow them up. Like that's the part that they leave out in all these panels. And whenever someone drops a, the relationship word, that's what they're, I think that's what they should say. They should say relationships direct with the artists before they're big. Right. Cause yeah. 
everything else in between. Yes, there's going to be anecdotal rebuttals to that. Like, oh, what about my guy who didn't have that relationship and then this happened and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, great. That's a great story. Right. But I don't know. I've never I mean, heard. We'll see. So that's that's pretty funny for me because, like, hearing you talk just this first twenty minutes of our conversation, it sounds like you lot you have a lot of good relationships in the game and and people that have, um, you know, that have been influential for you in in a, in a personal way, seeing what they're doing and doing it well. Has did those? I'm curious. Did those any of those relationships that you've talked about lead you to sync licensing or? Or I guess since that is such a big part of of what you're doing, we might as well touch on it a little bit. Um, yeah, how sure. did how, how did you land in that? Was it through a relationship or was it through just cold hard uh, brute force or how did that happen? Yeah, gosh, you've got some great question. Uh, well, as far as the relationships uh, leading to things, I mean, me and my guy Jimmy, we did a record where we created a few tracks together and landed. On, I don't know if you guys have heard of the hoodies. We got to place them with them, like just on. Yeah, look, look them up, check them up. They're actually pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so there's things here and there, but I can't say that. Oh, my relationship landed a Drake placement, right? I can't sit here and tell you that. I'd be lying to you. But um, and I think that also like a lot of people misinterpret like it's like most of the most of the leverage or most of the momentum that people build in their career is not from one not from one relationship that they lucked into it's cuz you were a nice guy to a lot of different people and then two of those people were working on something and one of them was like oh yeah he's a good dude oh you know him yeah he is a good dude let's hit him up it's not like oh i had this relationship with this one person and he handed me the golden ticket you know, for so for someone like you, it seems like a a, a good yes. a good person to work yeah. with. I think that goes a long ways as well. Yeah, because with relationships too, you have to learn how to not use them to the point where you're asking for favors every now and then. Like I've known Rockweiler for years, but I haven't asked him for anything. I I just I just know the guy, and, and then if something happens where I can help him, then I'm going to come to him. Right? Like a lot of people with relationships say say. Let me make this relationship so that they can help me. That's where you got to fuck up. You got to say, let me get these relationships so I can get them a bag. Therefore, now the relationship's closer and now they can help you out with something because they're going to remember, oh, he got me this or he did this for me. Now, now I got it. And that, I think that's, I feel like that's why myself and, and the Icelander guys are so close because we collectively made a lot of money just through the brand in general. And, you know, people remember that shit and then they, they tell you, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's my guy. You know, it just kind of makes sense. But um, as far as the TV stuff, I just got really interested in it because I never thought of that as a thing until I heard other people were getting those kinds of places. Like, yeah, he's got stuff on MTV. He's got stuff on this show, that show, blah, blah, blah. And I just asked. And then, then um, I forgot, I think it was Hatch or someone uh, introduced me to uh, a lady from this company called Indigi Music. Uh, and that was like my first taste of how the whole system works, right? And, and Indigi Music is a company that you've probably seen them on, on Clubhouse, but uh, they basically, you know, you just send them music, you sign an agreement, they place it for you, and then you get a royalty, right? And then the first check I got, it was like, remember the show Bad Girls Club? Hell yeah, I remember Bad Girls Club. My first check was for free. Was for free. Yeah. Was for three placements on Bad Girls Club, it got me a, under a hundred dollars. <laughs> but I was like, but that was like my first like, oh shit! And then that turned into you know higher royalties and just going up each quarter. And uh, 
everyone, you know, a lot of people know that I work for uh, Anthem Entertainment, which is the mother company of Jingle Punks. Early on, I actually met with someone over there. Um, shouts to my guy, Bill, over at Jingle Punks. He, he's no longer there anymore, but he's the guy I touched base with because he was like the catalog guy over there and I actually took him to an iStandard show to show him that shit. And uh, he, he's the one that helped me get an agreement over there. And that was a time where, you know, they were letting people in, uh, you know, for as far as submissions. And then this is the important part that a lot of people should know who are trying to get into the music licensing world is I just followed the instructions. Okay, I have the deal. What do I do next? Go to the website, upload your tracks, stem them out, do it this way, label it this way, tag it this way, uh, upload waves, don't upload motherfucking MP3s, don't fucking sample, don't replay songs, because that's still a sample, right? You follow the instructions, I uploaded it, forgot about them, I thought, damn, nothing happened, this sucks. Nine months later, well, no, I didn't think that, I'm just saying that for the audience, but yeah. uh, just because I worked at... It, I worked it does at, feel that way. I worked at ASCAP, so I knew how the shit works. I'm like, okay, nine months to go, eight months to go, down to one, down to zero. Okay, this should be the time that I get it. Cool. Royalties went up. Submit more shit. Royalties go up. Submit more. Not just Jingle Punks, but you know, before I even worked at Anthem, right? I was I was submitting other, you know, a couple of sync companies that did that exact thing. And for anybody that's watching this, that should be step one for you: is to just Google production music libraries. Right. And, and that's how people would typically uh, get their first few placements, uh, especially this year, though. I'm looking to level up the level of placements by just trying to pursue things on my own and just form sync relationships. Right. Because this whole time I've been doing like the label side relationships and being like, you know, I'll let the libraries handle the sync shit. But, you know, even like last year, too, like I, I got something, you know, like on a, you know, ESPN on my own, you know, just placing it yeah so you know they just ordered like like you know a few tracks for me and then they purchased some so that's direct so you can you can do the things simultaneously where you just reach out to people and then you know get it direct from the client or you can just upload to these libraries uh it just depends on how much time you have and how much legwork you want to do yeah so how does so, that direct relationship look sorry evan but i'm just curious as far as like you know, you're reaching out to ESPN, building this connection. Did that come through the previous sync stuff that you did? Or did you go out creating new relationships through this and sort of had that portfolio to to give that proof? Right. Well, as I cannot disclose, so I don't want to put anybody on blast. Yes, fair um, But uh, there was somebody that, yeah, there was a previous relationship. And they worked at ESPN. I hit them up. That's it. And And I got to say this for political reason. Because you know I do have an NDA signed. It was nobody. It was no contacts that were in the in the Jingle Punks database at the time. This is my own contacts, so I don't want to hear shit. <laughs> and I think it goes without saying that, like, yeah, I mean that's another thing. You got to be fair too. Like, if you if you actually like work at one of these companies, I'm not. Bad. I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, if you actually work at one of these like library companies, like you can't fuck around. Like you just you can't reach out to people that are in their database. Like that would just be cheating, and that would be like stealing contacts. And I'm I'm very mindful that not only do I have to make relationships, but I can't just poach email addresses and then hit up a bunch of people. Like that's got to avoid that shit. Uh, but as far as, um, what are we going to say? My bad. No, I was just going to say, I think it goes without saying, if you're going to land some placements in ESPN, that doesn't go without uh, a nice list of credits before that, that whoever's there making the decisions like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's legit. 
yeah, let's have him do a few things. This is sick. I mean, I'm, um, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I probably get more responses than than other sync people, only because like my opening pitch is, "Hey, I have music on over 700 shows," so yeah. it's kind of easy from there where I'll get a response. Where it's funny, I met somebody through Clubhouse the other day. Uh, no, not the other day, the other week or month at this point. And this guy up in Canada, and his he had the most awkward answer. He was like, "Oh yeah, I don't think uh, our business model is right for you." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> As if I was like trying to bullshit him, like about the number of placements I had or something. Not like, only no. mids, artists, please. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> try me, send me your business model. What is your business model? I'm interested. Tell me. And he was still like, uh, like he keeps responding to me, but not spilling like the yo. You got a brief or what, man? You want me to do send you music? What's up? And so like I, I just know. he you probably do just doesn't know how this shit works. He what? he just doesn't know how the shit works. And no, no, you know, he's he afraid to bring it to his boss because no, 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 no. He, no, no. you could tell like he knew what he was doing or whatever, okay, but like, okay, okay. I don't know, maybe, maybe, I'm, I, maybe I didn't read between the lines or something, but whatever. First it is place what my mind goes is like, Oh, he knows what he's doing. He likes working with people that don't know what they're doing. And he sees you and he's like, Oh, I can't, I can't just take all this dude's publishing for nothing. He's not going to handle it. He's not going to have it. Oh, I'll give you like 200 bucks. You give me the publishing and then I'll take all of the back end of everything afterwards. Like, that nah, doesn't sound like the Canadians good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's address something because you brought up a great point. Um, people that are trying to get in the sink need to avoid the fuckery as far as um, people taking all your writer share and publisher share. It's called royalty free libraries. And it sounds exactly like what it what it is is royalty free. You're not getting a damn royalty. They're paying you an upfront bag. You're keeping the writer's share. They're keeping the publisher's share, and you're getting a little bag. And they're keeping it moving. And they can place it on any commercial, on any TV show, and earn all the royalties from it. And you won't see a damn thing. And it's specifically royalty free. Oh, another thing that people should avoid out there. I'm, I love doing these podcasts and shit and, and talking about this stuff. I can go on for hours. Like, like I can, you know, let's get into have, it. Even though we have two hours, like we can go, we can go in long if you want. Uh, you can always have back for part two, man. You know, any company who was it? Remember, Sis posted this on the Slack the other day about some company. I forgot the name of it, but I left a comment where you have to pay monthly, or you have to pay a fee in order to submit music. And it was like an ad, it was like a sponsored Instagram thing. If you look, at, I forgot, oh, fuck, I forgot the name of it. I'm only trying to oh, look, look it up right now. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. They had that purple branding. Yeah, the purple branding, and uh, I said, yo, maybe you guys should make money off of getting placements and not from the people you're trying to place music for. Like, why would you do that? It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. If you're actually out here placing music, why do you have to collect money from people you're trying to place music for? Because it's actually a pyramid scheme, and the people that pay to be in the pyramid scheme get money for referring their friends to be in said scheme, and that's how the company makes money. Yo, uh, it's kind of the idea too of like you make money selling the dream rather than like actually living it out. Like yeah, terrible the seller and not the that's terrible digger. Yeah, I'm about to put them on blast now. I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna scroll through my gram and just take a look and see if I can find them. God damn, nah, it's it's out of my timeline now at this point. But uh, yeah, any company that, that charges. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going through the Slack channel. Was it that pitch? You broke up. Say it again. Let's turn your productions into an income. Unlimited sync licensing deals. Hold on. That will that we land. Yeah, that, that's, of the time. 
That sounds mm-hmm. like a scam to me. That's I don't a know scam. If they are yeah. A scam. So this is yeah. This is them. This is them. Yo, yo, that pitch. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, the fact they're saying they're saying. Yeah, I'm looking at the profile right now. Seventy eight thousand dollars landed this quarter so far. Congratulations. But <laughs> I mean, but how many thousand people do you have on there? So that means seventy eight people are getting a thousand dollars, and you have a thousand people on your roster that you're collecting subscription fees from. I don't understand. So they hit me back actually, and we're like, "Yeah, that's not our business model." So, try, you know, basically saying, "Fuck off, try somewhere else." That's cool, but I, I never, I never understood exploiting an artist and like paying a monthly fee. Like, uh, what's that other one? Taxi. Yeah. Yes, I did. I always thought it seemed like a a, a bad business model. I, you know, for the I go, I go in every time on 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 said Slack channel about this, but ask around. For like a good, like every day for a month. Hey, you ever get a placement on taxi? Every producer you run into, ask them. I guarantee you zero will tell you they got a placement through taxi. I have heard of people that got placements on taxi, but there were like a couple of people who had been there for like 20 years, knew everybody in the building, had been in the building. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, you meet a thousand people who have signed up for taxi at, you know, every by the, by the time you add up every ass cap and South by and everything else you've been to. And I've met, I met like a couple of, oh, there were older folks who have been in the game forever and like, Oh yeah, yeah. I've gotten a few off of there. Yeah. Like this, look, this, this is breaking, this breaking news. You heard it here first on this podcast. <laughs> Somebody got a place with your taxi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I was always uh, looking at it. I was like, bro, like you guys have so many people on there and like, there's no, I, I feel like there's no way that me giving you my shit and paying you to have it is a good business model for me. Yeah, because then what happens is that means there's no threshold. There's no barrier to entry. You pay us yeah. money to bring your music in, no matter how trash it is. That's a red flag. You want to submit to people that they're going to be picky because yeah. the, the quality, the standard of music that the even the, even like the production libraries are selecting, the, the quality has gone way up. Like the, the technology has gotten so good that there's no time for like little, oh, let me just make a four bar loop real quick and just submit and we'll take it. This is my B-level shit. You can't send B-level shit to anybody anymore in the TV world. It's got to be your A1 shit, right? So let's, let's go for it, Evan. How did you go about finding the libraries that have bared fruit for you? I'm not paying for anything. That's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bars. Yeah, I mean, you don't pay a monthly fee at all. You oh, here's a good way. Here's a good filter, bullshit filter. Go on their website, click on our work, see what they've placed music on. Right? If it's all stuff that's on MTV, BET, CMT, Comedy Central, you'll have to know this just from common sense that that's all Viacom. Right? So therefore, that tells me when I'm looking at a website, wow. This company just has a relationship with Viacom, and therefore, that's it. If that deal, if, if Viacom doesn't renew with this company, they're not going to be able to place any music. Okay, so can we talk about for a second? So for someone like me who's like a sync, a sync newbie knows knows basically nothing. Um, is there a resource that you can figure out like what like that you would look to to see like? where the parent companies lie or or can you just give us a rule of thumb right now or oh, I mean, you can just uh, like parent companies of like tv networks yeah you know how you were talking about like viacom owns right, companies right, yeah, right, like, right. how do i, I mean, know that 
that's the most ridiculously easy thing to do. You can just Wikipedia that, IMDb. Um, well, not IMDb. Wikipedia and just Google. Just Google what is the mother company of MTV, right? Because they yeah. all they all okay. funnel into certain conglomerates, right? Like the well, biggest- then the process the process would be go to the website. Look yeah. at where their placements are, and then you do the cross reference. Yeah. Like, who owns these companies that yeah. they're placing with? And what if it's show, all the same yeah. one, red flag. Yeah, like what what network does this air on? What what is the production company of this show? Not production company like what we do, right? Because you know production yeah. company music. I'm talking about TV production companies, right? And I think another question you had was where do people should you hit up for syncs and stuff or like, like yeah. libraries. Not only should you hit up libraries, but you should also look into production companies because they're the ones that actually create the content for the networks, right? Because sure. the, in- the instinct is, yo, I'm going to hit up MTV and try and get placements. That might not be the right way to go. You want to hit up the production company that's making the show for MTV. I was going to say, and just so people know, there is a person who works for a production company and works on a show, and their name is a music supervisor. Music supervisor. they are the person that is actually in charge of making right. sure that that show has good music. Not only music supervisor, but a uh, director of pro- post-production, executive producer, anyone in the post-production department at a production company or a specific TV show or a network, right? There's also, right, when you get bigger to like bigger size companies, they have music departments, right? But post-production is kind of code for putting something in an edit, right? When they're editing something or doing something after they're filming it, that's where they're adding the music and that's where they're adding the special effects and everything. So, you know, that's another thing, post-production. Another good place to try is ad agencies because Nike is not making the Nike commercial. (laughs) The ad agency is making the Nike commercial and the ad agency is making a hundred other commercials for a hundred other companies. So why would you not try to get a relationship with an ad agency as opposed to like, Yo, I know my guy who works at Nike. That's cool. He's not making the commercial though. Right. Um, that's such a gem that I don't think is that obvious until you say it. And then you're like, oh yeah, duh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> another another little um see, I'm giving you sauce before I even try this uh myself. But uh with with Clubhouse, I had a monopoly in Clubhouse one day where I was I hopped into a um I shouldn't be saying this shit because this is like the sauce. <laughs> um, Hey, you keep this whatever secret you need to, I, man. No, 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 no. I'm not giving that a lot that. of game. No, I'm not. I'm not one of these industry dickheads. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. So I was in Clubhouse. Out of I was the only music producer in Clubhouse in this group of like a hundred plus people. They were all independent filmmakers, uh, striving. You know, like people striving to be directors. They were makeup artists. They were you know people that work on TV shows and movies, and they were asking other people that make. TV shows and movies. And so I just waited in line and people were going to think, Hey, how do I get, you know, like, and there were actors, there were like aspiring actors in there, right? all people that were trying to get involved in the TV film industry. I was the only music motherfucker in there. I just said, anybody in this room that needs music, hit me up and we, I'll work with your budget, whatever you need. I got so many goddamn DMs. Ooh. So many people that just work on little independent films and like, oh, I got something for a film festival or what, like, like those people need music, too. And no, you're not going to get crazy shit ton of money. Right. You're not you're not you shit's not placing on Avengers. And you're not going to get one hundred fifty thousand dollars for it. But I mean, if you got, you know, 50 people paying you two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars each up front and you're, you keep ownership because they can't strong arm you to do a work for hire. Why wouldn't you do that? 
That's the best. Another thing, another thing I got to say, tangent. Sorry, this is a tangent yes. show. Great. Um, right. So what happened? You tell me what happens when, let's say, one of you guys get the, the call one day. Congratulations. You have a track on Beyonce's new album. Excellent. What happens to that beat? Can you use that beat anywhere else on another album? Nope. No. However, <laughs> there are beats that I have in sync in the sync licensing world that are on like 30 different shows. Because even though your agreement with, let's say, the production library, even though that's an exclusive agreement, when the production music library does a deal with a Viacom or a Netflix or a Discovery or a Bravo or whatever, access to their library is a non-exclusive license, which means, okay, Real Housewives of Atlanta, you can use all our shit if you want, but we can use these same beats that you use in your show. We can use it on Love & Hip Hop tomorrow. Because you're not taking, unless you're buying the beat outright and saying, we own the publishing, we own this track, it can only be on the show. That's cool. You can do that. It's going to cost you, though, even more money than what you originally paid for the non-exclusive license. But that exists. And so there, a, lot of, a lot of producers, when I tell them that, they go, oh, shit, I never thought of that. Because we're so programmed of if something yeah. places, I can't use that shit again. That's that's brilliant because that's that's you can you can like you said thirty x your yeah. investment in now. I mean, it takes a very special song to to get that thirty x. But if no, you doesn't. get that thirty x, no, doesn't no it doesn't it does not take a special song. That's the other thing. I mean, <laughs> it just okay. It just I mean, I guess it's special because it works in many places. Mm. But that's the thing; it doesn't have to be this crazy like bunch of shit happening in the beat. Yeah. It yeah. could be a simple ass beat that just is hard as fuck or sets the tone for a certain scene and it just goes off. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this fits. Like, that's the only reaction you yeah. need. You don't need yeah. this shit is fire. You just go, this works for this scene in this show. Yeah. And sometimes the simplest one is the most special. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's like the one that you didn't think about at all. Yeah. That just was like came together super quick. That could be the special one. So let me ask you this then of, I mean, you're obviously an incredibly skilled dude with a lot of music in a lot of different libraries. How many of those hundreds of songs that you, thousands probably that you've, that you've submitted, how many of those have been placed in multiple shows? Oh man, you're killing me. I would have to do like a straight. Yes. Is it like 10%? Is it 50? Oh. Is it one, 1%? No, 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 not at all. Um, to get a really accurate number, I'd have to do like a full BMI statement audit. But I want to say more than one show that out of all the tracks have been placed, you're saying, I'd say 80% has been placed really? somewhere or more than one show. So there you have it, folks. Really this isn't just a flash in the pan. This, this however, is real deal. However, however, there are a few tracks. I want to say, right, so 100% of my beats, right? Let's say... 10% don't ever place just because whatever off day people don't like it doesn't fit maybe it's in a database that maybe it's in a library that is trash now right because there's a lot there's a lot of libraries that like that you could work with that could just go to shit right so there's factors of that so from that 80% I'm gonna say 80% of that is on more than one show but okay so so you're that's but that ratio that you that's insane like yeah. like most like most like if you told people you were batting 800 
they'd be like, what the fuck? You have to remember each hit that you're batting 800 with is not going to break the bank for you. You're not going to get rich off of one placement. Right? There's there's some shit that I just, yo, like recently, I don't know if you guys seen my Instagram recently, but I, I posted a bunch of shit from Complex, right? From like like clips from like various things that Complex created. First of all, that shit aired in like early 2019, late 2018, only because, I don't know, ASCAP didn't get their license with, or BMI didn't get their license with Complex. I don't know what, whatever the lateness was, but I wasn't waiting for it. Like, yo, where's my Complex money? Right? But <laughs> it didn't get me a whole lot of money, right? But because it was like three, four placements, you know, like same track, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I like a couple of them, but like it's, what's the point I'm trying to make here? It's that not one, yeah, well, not one placement is going to break the bank for you. You're going to have a bunch of yeah. line items in your statement and you're going to, your reaction is going to be, wow, all this shit is old because it's nine months after it placed. So you probably made it three months prior to that, if not more. So the stuff you're getting a royalty for are going to be a year plus old at that point, but you just got to keep grinding and keep submitting and, and getting your shit placed because you figure this stuff, if you guys place something tomorrow, we're talking 2022 money. Yeah. So, so this is actually good. This is a good point. So you, you're, we're talking about statements and money at this point. How do, so, so we've talked to this point about how to get your music in a library, some good best practices. And what is the, what does the back half of this process look like after you submit the song? How long does it take normally to see any money rolling in? Like how, how do you have to collect it from 10 different people or does it come from the library? Like how does that back end work? Right. Well, uh, pause. I'll explain that. So basically, um, with I worked at ASCAP for a long strategy is laughing. Thanks a pause on getting getting back in. Cool, man. <laughs> so, so you should have just left it. Left it. Let, 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 right. let, man, I <laughs> dude, that slipped by me too. Oh my leave god. It leave it be, leave it be. Use it, you, can, you can edit that out if you want. Um no way. So, <laughs> so basically you know, I worked at ASCAP for five years, so I got every kind of call, uh, every version of where's my money question, right? I spoke to everyone from like from Joe No Name songwriter to Stevie Wonder. Like I've spoken to everybody uh, damn near, like at every level of, of expertise. And so uh, the biggest beef is, you know, where's my money at? And, and a lot of times it was just you're calling too early and you're asking too early because it usually takes six to nine months to get royalty on the back end i'm not gonna no just keep going keep going so, <laughs> so basically if you place something tomorrow and you are an ascap member let me just think about this in my head we're in 1q 2021 therefore the 1q 21 statement for ascap is not until well for bmi it's september 2021 and for ascap i think it's october 2021 uh, at this point, I know BMI is changing their schedule. So as of, so that that was the old way. The new way, not to get into a whole other conversation about scheduling, but I know BMI has changed their schedule, so that might not be accurate anymore. But it's the, basically the meat of this is six months after the close of the quarter that it was in, which yes. can be up to three months before the close of that quarter. So, like you said, six maybe to nine six to nine months is before you see your first statement containing the royalties and that's for domestic airings if you were if you're talking about international it's going to take you a year or more the the collective management organization in that country mm -hmm. is going to take that three months to let the shit happen 
six months to find out that it happened, catalog it, and make sure the money's going to the right place. And then they've got to send it, which takes at least another quarter overseas and make sure that it's all going to the right place before it leaves. And then your PRO or whatever other organization that that money might've come from is got to take their time to catalog it. And some, some countries pay annually. I mean, or, or twice a year that I got, I got money coming in from South Africa that placed in probably 2018, right. Or like Brazil or is because a lot of these, a lot of these shows, I mean, American culture is everywhere. A lot of that stuff just reruns internationally. And so it comes in, 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 in smaller amounts, only because, right, the, the U.S. economy, even with COVID bringing the economy to shit, we still have the biggest music economy in the world. So the same song, same placement, same show is going to get you not the same amount in Canada, the U.K., Australia, Sweden. It's going to be a lot less, substantially. But all that shit adds up at the end of the day. Uh, snowball so effect. Cool. Yeah, man, snowball effect. So uh, that's something to expect because this is where people fuck up, where... Um, they start submitting to a library. They go, shit, this isn't working. I've sent them like 50 tracks and I haven't gotten anything. Then they, then, so then they say, fuck it, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to go back to doing whatever. And then nine months pass. They get their BMI or ASCAP check and go, oh, shit. I'm going to start submitting to this company again because they've hooked me up. You fucked up because you stopped yeah. submitting for that whole nine months or that whole six months. And now you that's going to fuck you up in the long run. You should have just been pressing on the whole time. I'm curious, Jay, um, kind of to go back to when we were talking about actually creating those beats. I'm very curious because um, the point we touched on earlier is like, you know, sort of when we all hit that point where it's like, oh shit, this isn't a producer beat. Like an artist has got to fit on here. So for like this context, you know, don't overdo it. But then I think of like, let's say producer battles, right? Where it's like, if it's like, you know, <laughs> techie nerdy producer shit people love to hear those crazy 808 glides and those fills and and you know really like contorting the sample in weird ways and like it's I'm, I'm wondering for the context of sync music like what's your approach when you go into creating these beats like obviously you talked a bit about structure but are you thinking like all right um you know i'm gonna pick a mood for each of these or i'm gonna pick a mood today and write like 10 uh, fucking mysterious beats or 10 summer vibe kind of beats or like how do you play right. it or do you just like create shit and like um later be like oh, okay this would be a cool sync one let me well sometimes you don't have a creative brief and you just want to upload to a library so you just do what what you're comfortable with and just knock shit out uh, like i want to say uh for hip-hop for example you don't need to make like a full three minute beat and uh, unless a company specifies what they want like if they want like a 30 second cut down or one minute cut down I usually just do intro, hook, verse, hook, outro with a sting. We'll get into that later. Remind them to ask me about a sting. I've got that on my mind. It was, it's on my list of questions. Let's go. Cool, cool. And, and um, obviously no samples, no interpolations, none of that shit. But um, so that that aside, though, is there anything like, um, I guess, uh, with the elements that you're actually coming up with, like, do you make sure to add some sort of memorable lead element or do you make sure to keep it a bit more open or do you really try and feed off like a vibe? I treat it like I'm trying to make a regular beat for an artist, okay, to well, be honest with you. Because if my mindset is, you know, I, I can hear Kendrick spitting on this, I know that I'm making my A-level shit. And so the sound of quality has to be there, has to be mixed down well. 
Um, obviously, you don't need to make a beat battle beat. You can try it. I've never, you know, I don't think I've tried doing doing stuff really crazy because we've got to remember there's dialogue that's usually taking place during your beat. So you don't, so, and a lot of times you're just going to lower your shit anyway into the background. It's not going to be a huge part of it. Maybe maybe like the first ten seconds when they're panning to like a a scene. Whereas like the classic, you know, overhead shot of a yacht and then it goes into a club scene or some shit, right? Like maybe during the overhead shot of the yacht, yeah, that shit's on full blast. But then once there's like dialogue, like, yo, this is what we're going to do. That shit's way low and it's just nestled in the background, but a way to prepare your beats. And again, this would be contingent upon the specific instructions of each company and what they, how they ask you to, to deliver. Because again, 80% of the shit is following directions, right? So they'll typically ask you for stems. And when I say stems, I'm not talking about how we know stems, kick, snare, hi-hat, bounce out. No, I'm not talking about that. Again, unless the client asks for that, but I haven't come across that yet, really. Um, they might ask for the full version, right? Like, let's say it's a full song, right? Or full song meaning like hook versus hook, right? Or whatever. Full song, instrumental, Instrumental with only the drums and the bass. Instrumental with no drums at all. Instrumental only the drums. Instrumental sing only. And now I'll talk about the sing. What a sing means is do not fade out your tracks when you're making shit for TV ever. Never. It has to. It has to have a punctuation at the end. It has to have some kind of ending. It has to. In the words of James Brown, you got to hit it on the one. Right. It's got to end on the one. Right. And and it's up to you how to do that. If you want to do something real spicy on the last bar to kind of like finish off your beat, go ahead and do that. If you want to go beat battle with them on the last bar, do it there, right? Do something cool because if you watch TV, a lot of the stuff is just like transitioning from one scene to another, five seconds of a track, they're on to the next track. Usually that's your sing track, which is only, you know, 10 seconds or less. It's basically the full beat, except you're just chopping that last bar with the ending. And that and that's it, really. You know what's funny? On Instagram, I saw a guy who was advertising this. He was, it was like a fake podcast where the guy was asked, one guy asked the other, hey, so do you think you can get placements without following this formula? Right? Because they were selling like the formula of how to make beats. Right? I'm about to give it to people for free, not to fuck up this guy's whole business model, but. <laughs> fuck um, it up. Right. He, he doesn't pay you. No, he doesn't. There's, <laughs> not, a, there's not a formula. Like it's not really a formula. Like for me, I do hook versus hook, but you can also do verse first if you wanted hook. Like as long as it's good, as long as the quality is good, man. Like this, there's not a formula. Like don't make a 10 minute track, obviously. But again, it really just depends on what brief you receive from the client. Because the client says, I want an orchestral piece for 10 minutes. You make an orchestral piece for 10 minutes. That's not a formula. That's the formula is follow the fucking directions that you gave the client. That's the formula <laughs> that the client gave you. That's the formula. Gave it away. Saved you twenty nine ninety nine right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. These it, here's another thing, man. There's people that let, I'm gonna fucking vent right now. Please. I'm tired of these That's motherfuckers. I'm tired of these. I'm gonna put people on blast right now. Not not by okay. name because I don't remember these motherfuckers' names. But there are people out here that never worked at a PRO never got placements themselves that are selling how to sync your beats. It's like, get the fuck out of here, man. You you should be spending your time syncing beats and not selling a, a 10 step program. on how to sync beats. Like I'll offer consultations or whatever, right. For people that want to sit down with me for an hour, just because I'm just selling the time to, 
it takes to sit down and talk to people to, to do, you know, that. So like, I'll go over stuff like this and, and other things, getting into details specific to their particular situation. I'm just at their disposal. Ask me what you want and I'll help you type of a thing. So like, I'll do consultations like that, but I'm not out here on Instagram advertising that shit. Like that shit's on my profile. If you need me, you know where to find me type shit. But like, I'm not out here trying to sell formula books. I don't know. It's just, it's what? just you don't want their twenty nine ninety nine. Not not off of lying to them about there's a formula. Yeah, I'd rather share information that applies to those people specifically. And at that point, you're not you're not paying for me. You're just paying for the time it takes because obviously we all know the old saying: "Time's money." That's the only reason I'm charging, right? Because Otherwise, I'd just yeah. be wasting my time like talking to a thousand people. Um, but all right, yeah, podcast, put obviously, that, yeah, podcast, puts that 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 little barrier to entry that you know only the yeah. people that are actually serious and a respect your time and b will respect the info. Yeah. Now they'll respect the information you gave them enough to act on it because they've got a sunk cost. Right, right, exactly. And podcast, let's get a, uh, let's get a quick, quick plug in here. Yeah, if someone's ahead. listening that has loved what you said and and understands uh how important and uh and how much weight you carry in your knowledge where where could they 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 find you to sign up for one of these famed um, consultations at rhythm j i have a link tree right in my instagram at rhythm j r-h-y-t-h-m with the letter j at the end spelt regular you know how to spell rhythm and add a letter j you'll find me in instagram you can't uh, spell rhythm you don't qualify yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a filter within itself, really. If you, don't spell rhythm, then, then... if you can't spell rhythm and you can't look it up, you're not going to follow the directions from the library and you're going to fucking fail anyway. So <laughs> don't bother. Shit, dude, it kind of ties into like one of the biggest gems of the episode, which is like follow the instructions. Like I feel like that applies for so many things and so many people would be so much further along. I mean, shit, myself included, I'll call myself out. Like, sometimes it's just literally fucking following the steps through consistently. Yeah, we talked to, we talked, we mentioned Sizz earlier in the episode as a, uh, as a rapper that you worked with, and he is that, but he also was the COO of, of iStandard. So he was the one getting all of the beat submissions, and I've heard his horror stories of, you got a beat battle, Big year and beat battle, hundred something producers, and like forty five percent of them didn't read the email instructions that they replied to with their tracks. So like sent them in the wrong format. You know, it was like it was clearly late. It was like, yo, send them five separate beats, all one minute in length, with the number, then your name, then the name of the beat, and it's just like, and it has, you know, it's like just, nobody does that. It's like, oh my god! Like half of the people can't follow this simple instruction. <laughs> the way to stand out, right? Just do do the normalist thing. And if people didn't know, and if people didn't know that Sizz was a rapper, they know now. Oh uh, yeah, he got he got bars, and and he'll he'll uh, he'll he'll call out people on beef. <laughs> Shout yeah, to Sizz. Two guns, Sizz, the sheriff two of the. Guns, Sizz. <laughs> Deserp two one five Philly's best. So so for all these for all these music libraries, is there any specific sound or type of beat that you found to work well? I know there's no formula, 
right? But is there is there a genre that's popping off right now that if someone's trying to get in to a music library, they're like, I want to I want to make an album of stuff that's going to impress them that I can give to a bunch of people. Where where should they start? Oh, at first you would think that oh, ask the music library and they'll tell you. But I'll save you a step where you don't even have to ask the music library because I can just tell you what they get. So when music supervisors reach out to libraries, right, every music supervisor will do this. They will go to Billboard uh, and see what songs popping off because what every music supervisor loves to do is go look at Billboard and try to replicate that, right? So what do you think the big request was about a year and a half ago? Everyone was asking for Lizzo. I want Lizzo. I say. I like Lizzo. Or before that, it was, oh, can you send me some of the, it sounds like Lil Nas X, right? So, you know, oh, I would, or they'll try to be like secretive. Oh, we want some country hip hop mashup. So it's like, okay, uh, oh, the black skinheads. So it's a very, it's a very common uh, request, even though it's been years and years later. Um, you know, from that record, from Kanye, the black skinheads record, right? Which was really before that was, you know, everyone knows that drum rhythm, right? What was that sports song like back in the nineties? It's, it's basically that. <laughs> yeah, dude, they played at every sports event ever. Yeah. Hockey song? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that hockey shit. Yeah. So an edgier version of that, you get black skinheads, and that that shit still popping in, in the TV world, to be honest with you. Um, and, and then here's another little hack that anyone can do. Oh, what are people looking for? It's really as easy as going on your fucking Netflix, turning on your favorite show, and listening to the music. And then going, that got placed. That made money. It was a fun game you could play. Uh, you go on your favorite show, and you listen to the music, and you wait until you say to yourself, "I can make something like that," and that's what you make. Yeah, right? I was gonna. <laughs> you can make right. You'll hear some classical stuff or like some really complex thing that maybe nah, I ain't fucking with that. But there's gonna be something you find and go, "Oh, I can do exactly that." Yeah, and I was I was gonna I was gonna make an anecdote earlier. If you're looking to to see what a sting is, wait wait until that five second transition in your favorite reality TV show and see what that little dun 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 thing sounds like because yeah, well, it's gonna reverb out and you're gonna be like, oh, yeah. that's a sting. You got you guys need to record this when we record this podcast or when you play it back you just have to isolate that little piece you just did dun, 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 and just play that back and just have like a, yeah, yeah exactly like, have a hook yeah. up and just play that shit every time like, hey what's the yeah. thing here it is yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that and there yeah. it is battle royale fans of this podcast you know you know the sound that is the most known sound in the theme song and and end of every single podcast that big, weird, trippy 808 sound that Rip Kenny made that just goes whom and has like a, a bunch of reverb and delay that ring out on it. That's a stinger. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yes. That, that, that could work. Exactly. <laughs> that could work. Man, um, so, yeah, I was just uh, sorry to cut you off there, Evan. I was just curious, um, well, more so just to set uh, some sort of reasonable expectations for people that are now hearing like oh holy shit there's money here like i'm gonna do this all right it's coming in nine months like cool um i think uh, you know a lot of people's ears perk up as soon as you hear like money and music because you're like holy shit finally right 
but like <laughs> somebody that's actually considering doing this, like, I don't want to phrase it as how long until it's like a notable um, source of income to help them reach their goals. But like, I guess maybe a better question would be like, who would you say this is for and who wouldn't you say this is for? And sort of what are reasonable expectations if you're aiming to make this like a part of your income to support you and going full time? Quality. Consistency. Patience. If you, you have those three things, then you're out of here. But would you say for like um, somebody that like really wants to make it as an artist, would you say like, hey, just know this is going to take up like a considerable chunk of your time if you're doing this? Like you might not want to do this if you're trying to go full time with being an artist. Or do you think it's something where it's like, you know, you can do this a bit on the side and maybe it'll help you a bit or sort of like, what's the spectrum there as far as like, who's this for? Yeah. Like, well, if, if you're an artist, you better know how to walk and chew gum, right? So you're, ba you're making stuff for your album <laughs> and then, and then at the same time you make stuff for TV producers do that too. Shit. I do that. A lot of shit that I submit for artist opportunities. I'm not putting into the libraries. That's what everyone should do in the TV world. Right? Because what you don't want happening and there's, caveats to this but what you don't want happening is you have something in a library and it gets placed with an artist and now you got to pull that from the library there are some libraries that are very lenient with their termination policy where they go okay you don't have to terminate your whole catalog but you just want to terminate that beat cool here you go we don't want to get in, in the way of your money hold that and do what you want with it not every company's like that but there so is that so i say keep it separate unless you have a situation where you understand your agreement and you know that you can pull that track from that library if it places with an artist and that library is not going to come knocking at your door to be like, hey, uh, I heard you got a Kendrick place in one of our tracks in our library you gave us, right? If you know that's not going to happen, you're good. But in the usual case that, that it'll probably come after you, keep the shit separate, right? And pl plus all your sample base shit is going to be in that pile anyway for the, for the record label stuff. Um, so... You know, there's that because some things are meant for artists, some things are not. And if you want to experiment more and, and you ever make like those beats that are super left, right? That it's like, shit, this ain't going to work for artists. It's going to work for TV, though. Like, I, can, I can guarantee you that. Um, but what was your question? Because I, I know I haven't fully answered it and I forgot it by now. So I guess I'm more so asking for the people that are hearing this now with like these expectations of like, oh, I'm a. Yeah, yeah, say no, say no more, say no more. All right, so. Uh, the expectation is is basically to yeah you just got generally you just got to be patient man uh, and with producers if you're doing if you're doing the separation of the tracks with label versus sync it shouldn't matter because if you're really trying to pursue that artist world the syncs will come and that way you're not tearing your hair out being like fuck I've been at this for years and I haven't gotten one fucking placement with an artist yeah but you got like a good 10 20 30 TV placements. So hang in there. You're still doing it. As far as I, I you know, it's hard to really answer like what people's because it, it really depends on the expectation. But it, it will come back to you. Like if you put mad work into it, it will come back to you in revenue like that. I can tell you. But if you're one of these guys like, you know what? Let me put 10 tracks in this library here. Or let me try to just hit up a few connects here and there, like once every two weeks, like 
yeah, you're going to get minimal part-time results because you're not, you know, you don't even have to do it full-time to, to see results, to be honest with you, right? Because most, most people have nine to five jobs. They're still trying to be an artist and they're trying to get TV syncs. There's time to do it. There, there is, there is time because everybody, and I mean, everybody that's making music has that hard drive of shit right now that they don't play for anybody that they're not pitching to anybody that's from like three years ago, but it's still dope, but you're tired of it because you've heard it so many times for three years, but it's older. That shit will work for TV. Cause it's not your B, B level shit. It's still a one shit, but you're just like, you know what? No artists are fucking with this. It's in the graveyard. Nah, take it out of the graveyard. So that saves time by itself. So if, if it's, if it's a question of time management, I mean, you got to put the time in. I mean, there's no way I can't be like, yeah, you put a little time in and you won't get a whole, you'll get a whole month of, a lot of money still. That's not the answer. Right. I mean, you still, it's like anything you, you put the work in, you're going to see results. From yeah, it. yeah. So, but um, it's, it's not as much as a, uh, my bad. Yeah. It's not as much of a rat race as it is in, in the, in the, uh, record business. Right. Because if you guys submitted, went to defjam.com and try to submit a beat through, through their website, what, what does it usually say? We do not accept unsolicited material, right? A lot of these companies and a lot of these libraries want your material. There's actually a section, submit music on a lot of their websites. So the demand is there. Cool, yeah, love it. Um, and for people listening, for somebody that's at your level at this point, if you happen to know and or want to share as somebody that's gotten a few hundred placements, like. How many songs have you uploaded, do you think? I want to say under a thousand. Yeah? Yeah. Under he's, got seven, he's got seven hundred placements. He's no, batting eight hundred. He's sure, batting sure. eight hundred. That's like that's like no, no. nine sixty. He's under music. a thousand. Let's clear let's clarify something. I have music on seven hundred shows, which adds up to a few, you know, thousands of placements. I can't tell you how many placements I've gotten. Word. Because when that shit comes in from Japan and it just says, you know, bravo, who knows how many shows that is, right? So in a way, because of the international, you can't really put a number on it. Um, plus, I don't know, how would you count this? Like, I have music on 30-something episodes of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Is that 30 placements or is that one placement? I count that as 30. I was gonna say I would count that as thirty as okay. well. So that's one show. That's, that's one I, show. Yeah. I don't have so much music on TV shows. So if I got thirty yeah. on one show, on across, even if if I had thirty in one episode, I would still call it thirty personally. Right. Or like or like, uh, like Fox Sports. I got a lot of stuff like with NBA Game Time, right? Where it's where it's just like January third, January fourth, January seventh, where they use the same beat over and over in their highlight reel, mm-hmm. right? So. That in a way, that's a different placement or the same. I don't know. So I don't know how to count it. So I just keep track of the number of shows and not the number of placements because then people will tell think that I'm bullshitting. But uh, cool. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But but so sorry, just to wrap it up. I, I was just uh, thinking, like for people listening, they're probably thinking, like, "Holy shit, seven hundred shows is probably like seven thousand songs this dude's uploaded." So I just yeah. wanted to put that into perspective. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, real, real quick, it's probably it's probably close to a thousand, but not not there yet. Probably if I had, yeah. if I had, if I had to guess. And after this amount of time, and 
and success with it, it's probably much easier for you to judge which types of beats will be best for you to submit because you, like you said, you understand like the format and the things that have worked in the past. And if you make a beat and you're like, Oh, like that, that's like that one that has 15 placements. Yeah, definitely. That's a library beat. Let me send it to that same library that placed that other one 15 times. Cause why wouldn't I? There's nothing wrong with biting off of yourself. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) that's the formula. You're not gonna you're not gonna sue yourself for copyright infringement. So <laughs> beautiful. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. So you you obviously work on the artist side as well. Would yeah. you say that making making beats for artists is equally lucrative? Um, is it is it a bigger time investment for less return on the back end, or or how would you say that 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 factors into your overall um, musicianship right. and living? Right. Well, I mean, if I pursued the artist side for the money, I'd be going crazy right now because obviously those placements opportunities are so few and far between. And the thing, the notch I'm still waiting for on my belt is to get a placement with, with, uh, with an artist that is a household name that is a global superstar. Like I don't have that yet. I'm, and, and, and being so many years in, like I'd trade a thousand TV placements for that to keep it a hundred with you. Um, Obviously, if you get an artist placement, like like a Drake placement, yeah, that would probably surpass all my shit, right? But there's not a lot of other things in the industry that will also surpass a Drake placement, right? So the stuff that's like the, the unicorn shit, like that's still going to be the highest paying thing, obviously. But one thing that actually is another thing that's like on my bucket list that might be higher paying than a Drake placement at least on the upfront end, uh, publishing ends over time, it might be the Drake placement, but is a, an advertisement for a large company. Like if you get like an Apple placement or a Nike placement or Adidas or something, with that upfront sync fee, you know how they say, oh, they don't pay for beats like they do, that like, like they used to do, like for artists, right? Where you hear stories about like Timberland getting 50K, 100K, 150K for a beat or Pharrell or whatever, right? That still happens with anyone in the brand world. They're still out here paying 20, 30, 40, 50 K for a brand ad, except those are the hardest ones to win because how many, like, for example, how many movies come out a year that need music for a trailer, right? Like, like big tent pole movies. Pause. For those. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. You can cut. You can cut that too if you want. Um, Never. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Uh, so, basically, right? Like, how many Marvel movies have come out? Ten. So that's ten trailers, and there's probably thousands of people. It's the same dilemma you run into when it's a major artist placing, right? Like uh, Kendrick Lamar, whenever he drops his next album, there's going to be what, 12, 13, 14 maybe tracks, maybe less, maybe more. I don't know, but so you have thousands of producers fighting for that, for like a few slots because. One of those is going to be probably, you know, famous producer, whoever, right? And like half of that is going to be known A-list producers that are over, already signed. There's going to be some TDE producers in there, uh, whatever. So really all these producers are really fighting for like three, two slots for one album. But with with TV, the opportunity and the, and the demand is there. Because let, let's do the math real quick. One episode of, I don't know, Love and Hip Hop runs for... I don't know if it runs for half hour, an hour. Let's just say a half hour. They're probably using 50 tracks, 60 tracks for the one half hour for that one episode. 
you multiply that by 12 episodes in the season, you multiply that by 10 seasons, you multiply that by you have real love and hip hop, New York, Atlanta, Hollywood, whatever, or LA or Hollywood, I don't remember. So that is break up the, um, the internet. Just a little, but we're good. Oh, cool. All right, cool. Uh, and then you multiply that by different franchises and different networks. You're talking about millions of slots that need to be filled with music. So it's always about supply and demand. You're more likely to get a TV placement than you are a major artist placement. Word. Um, or, or an ad placement. Sorry. No, you that said was it. an ad placement. Cool. Um, do you yeah. have any thoughts on sort of like the approach you see a lot of uh, beat makers taking nowadays with like the whole like beat stars and like leasing to like smaller known artists? Or I guess, how do you feel like um, that compares with like some of the other stuff going on if you've either worked in that or if you have opinions on that? Is what my opinion is like on the beat stars type companies? Yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, so we've talked about like, you know, getting placements on shows, ad companies with bigger artists and stuff. But um, I guess what are your thoughts on sort of like, you know, the independent producers that are just like trying to lease out the same beat to like multiple smaller artists? Like, how do you feel about that? Have you done it? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like to me, it's another revenue stream. I mean, if, if COVID has taught anybody anything is to increase the number of revenue streams, they say most wealthy people have, I think, was it six, seven different revenue streams? So why not, right? If, right, because the reason I even got into TV, it was like a fuck you to the industry. It's like, fuck you, you don't want my shit? TV's going to take my shit, and I'm going to be paid, paid handsomely for it. And so to me, Beatstars is another fuck you to the industry. Where it's like, you're not going to fuck my shit? All these artists are going to fuck my shit, and I'm going to be paid handsomely for this. So why not do it? As long as you have catalog management skills and you know what's going to TV, What's going on, BeatStars? What are you pitching to major artists? You can do all those things. Why not? You know, people out here are selling sound kits and they got no placements. I'll never understand that, but those people make money off their sound kits somehow because maybe they're a, maybe they're a really good guitar player or or something, right? So people are getting money off Splice, right? Just for putting their shit up on Splice. That's another thing that I don't know. I never got into the sound design thing, uh, but I don't know. Maybe I should. <laughs> just looking at the, the revenue that comes in from that shit. But um, that's probably too late for that now. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any feelings on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel indifferent with, with, with I'm not anybody getting their money. But, no. you know, it is you mentioned something really important, though, and that is catalog management. You know, I think yeah. I'm, I'm probably a little bit better than that at that than a lot of people. And I know I have so much room to grow in actually keeping track of where my beats are if they're doing anything if i've sent them to anybody and whether or not they ever got back to me about it like how how do you go about catalog management of your music and do you have any like actionable steps that our listeners can take or or like maybe me well it's it's funny because you know in school we're trained that when you take the test it's not an open book test and you got to dedicate it to memory to me, it's an open book test because you just literally go to the website you uploaded your shit to and be like, is that record in there? Cool, there it is. So I can't bring it over here. So, right, because everyone has like their main place that all their music is, like all their beats, whether it's like iTunes or disco or, or whatever it is, right? And I just research it. 
like the song where I think it might be sitting. And I don't know, from there, I just find it a home and then go from there. Like, I, I don't know, my system's weird and I wouldn't recommend my system to anybody else. But uh, you just anything that's just an Excel, maybe like an Excel with the title of the track and where it's at. That's all you really need. Yeah, and you can just control mm-hmm. F and search for mm-hmm. the title of the beat and be like, oh, yeah, I already sent that to that library. Or, yeah. oh, yeah, that artist said they, they were interested. Mm-hmm. Let me. Let me hit them back before I give it. Yeah. Plus okay. a lot plus a lot of shit is day to day where like you're only really dealing with a group of like the twenty newest beats that you have because you know where all your older shit has gone already and you don't really have to go back for that and search for it because you already know, oh, that's up in here, that's in this library, blah blah blah. And then you kind of just send it. Here's another thing. Send it and forget about it. Like with any of these libraries. Because if you if you get caught up in like, oh, my statement didn't come in with anything. And you like get caught up on your old catalog that you sent and you're not getting anything, then you, you're already fucking up. You just got to send it, forget about it, keep it moving. All right. I guess that's the same philosophy with like BeatStars and all these companies. And again, yeah, like I'm never mad at people increasing their revenue and, and trying. Um, but one thing that I learned, just even like with the BeatStars game or the TV game, set your own deadlines and don't let other people dictate your deadlines. Right. So like, like recently like a few months back and i was getting all sorry i don't know if it was just me but we cut out there for oh my bad Missed. no it's all good yeah, yeah just go back up to deadlines yeah, yeah. so so don't don't um don't let your own deadlines drive you crazy like for example like i, I started beat stars earlier last year right just so let me, let me try this right because there was always like a back and forth oh beat stars is great no nah, that's trash i'm like fuck everyone's opinion let me live it right let me try it so I lived it and I still do where I, and there were some adjustments I had to make mentally where I realized a lot of people lived and died by beat stars and how their beat stars account came in with their money where I'm not one of those people. I just look at it as like another slice of revenue that I'm getting. So therefore I was like, damn, I got to send in like, you know, Oh, I've seen a video where they say you got to upload like every other day, you know, three beats a week, blah, blah, blah. That shit drove me crazy because, like, here I am trying to produce an album for uh, my guy, Melly Scuggs. Uh, he's got a <laughs> shameless plug. Romello coming soon. You got you to check for that, Melly Scuggs. But uh, well, I'll have a session with him, and then it fucked up my whole BeatStars upload schedule. But I made the schedule. So I, I switched to once a week. You know, and that might not, you know, every blog and every video might say, oh, don't just upload your shit once a week. Fuck that. That shit works for me. Other people might have no other obligation in life and somehow are able to upload one beat a day to beat stars, but there's not much else. Some of these guys are doing outside of that. So I don't know. You can put all your eggs in, in that basket or, or not, or, you know, or you can diversify your bonds. Exactly. Diversify your bonds. <laughs> you make a really, really good point Thank here. You. And that is you have to know what you're good at, what your strengths are. If you're listening to this conversation and you're like, I need to get that sync money. I don't make a ton of beats, but this sounds like a good opportunity. Like I make one beat a month that's crazy and intricate and I I love so much. Uh, but I need to get this sync less. Like, no, nah, that's probably oh. not for you. Like I'm thinking about myself mm-hmm. here. Like, I take a long time to make my music, but it's for a different purpose. It's yeah. definitely like more like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just an artist career. 
and you're very picky about what you put out into the world, Evan. Like, and you know your sound, you know your quality threshold for you releasing as an artist. But I think that makes a really good point there too, because like you you mentioned, like if you get a placement with an artist, like all of a sudden they're gonna be they're part of a record label which has a publishing wing which is actively shopping to exploit the tunes that they have the rights to. And so like, same thing, like if your focus is an artist's career, focus on blowing up your artist's career. And then once a bunch of people know about you, some of those people will be music supervisors and like your sound for what they're doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, 100%. So basically just, just before you jump into something like sync licensing, cause you see that there's money to be made. You also have to reflect on what am I good at? What are my skills? What's working for me? What do I know that I can commit to that's going to work? And how does the music environment at large work with what I do well? And how can I leverage my skills and talents and things that I know that I can get done consistently? And then focus on those things because those are going to bear fruit. Yeah, and then also keep in mind that, I mean, making one beat a month, I, I see what, what, what point you're trying to make there. I mean, you also don't have to feed these libraries all day, every day, and that's the only thing that you do, right? All I'm saying is don't upload a batch of 10 beats and expect thousands of dollars in a month, right? It's upload the 10 some time goes by, upload another 10, upload another five here, another 10 there, whatever it is. But over time, it will accumulate because you it's all about multi-purposing where like maybe you are creating tracks for artists and then all the shit that artists were, wasn't fucking with, maybe those are the ones you give to the library. So you're, you're killing two birds in one stone while you're creating because you're just, you're just making good shit, right? Like, that's usually what I do. It's like, I'll make some good shit and then maybe I'll find a home for it after. Or maybe I'll go into it with the intention of, all right, this is for sync. Let me upload it. Um, to be honest with you, like, I haven't uploaded to a library in a while. Like, I've just been getting money off of my old shit. Like, for like from like a year ago or even more. Because what happens is if you upload to these companies and the algorithm is good enough and that song is timeless enough, different music supervisors that just got hired a few months ago are going to come across it. It's brand new to them. Oh, this is perfect for the show I'm working on. Upload it. The boss comes in the room. Great job on that edit. I'm going to use that same shit again because my boss said I did a great job. Boom. More placement for you. That's right? Point. So yeah. there, there's, been, there's been tracks where I made and there were no placements on it for like three years. And nothing changed except some editor found it and put it, uh, this was actually, I mentioned before, like the NBA highlight shit, right? That shit plays so many times in, in the NBA highlights where there was zero money, zero dollars from it for like three years. And then all of a sudden, and I felt bad because it was a collab with, with one of my guys. And uh, I felt really bad. Like, we, you know, we never spoke on it. He never hit me up like, yo, where's the money at, bro? You said the shit was going to blow up, right? Because there was a general understanding of it's just one beat. That shit could never earn something. But then finally, after three years, boom, now it's starting to hit. And now, now it's starting to generate some income, and now it's in one of the top, like, you know, like the top fifty tracks of financially, like what, I, what I'm doing. So, like, it's dope how, how it works, and, and and you never know what how people's tastes are going to change, and what strikes people, you know, as far as what works in the scene. Amen, amen. 
So that's I feel like we're we're tying a bow on this one, man. Um, I wanna I wanna give you a chance to plug your pluggables, make sure that everybody knows where they can find you. We'll also put links to all that in the show notes as well, and uh, you know let you let you give your your final yes, thoughts. Yes, sir. Uh, at Rhythm J on Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that. I'm working on with my guy Melly Scuggs producing an entire album called Romello. So Romello is coming soon. You'll see the stuff for that coming pretty soon and uh yeah man shout out to everybody you know trying to get the tv placements trying to diversify their revenue streams um yeah just add rhythm j on instagram and then everything's just in the link tree you just hit me up uh offered the consultations we covered that before um yeah man that's about it amen thank you so much for being here with us man i feel like extremely extremely educated and like, like I have a lot better handle on a lot of these things, and uh, I know, I know my guys here did too. Apo- yeah, apologies. appreciate you taking the time. No doubt, Apolog- huge gems. Apologize for all the tangents and not fully answering questions and making you guys have to ask them twice, but that happens sometimes. What can I say? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, literally, of our podcast format that our, our <laughs> listeners know us. Uh, we it's it's more people getting together to nerd out about producing exactly. shit, and we. We expect tangents. We're not. We're not like Radio Lab. We're not like chopping this into edited of segments not, not, and narrating the thing. No, it's we press play. And we yeah, go. So anyone hearing this? Yeah, you might. If this, they want to, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say this might surprise you, but you're pretty concise. Cool. I'm. I'm definitely worse with tangents <laughs> on a normal <laughs> episode. Well, if, hey, the comes if up. Any, if anybody liked what they heard here and they want more information about their specific situation, uh, they can just hit me on Instagram. And, we can go there. You can book a consultation, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's enough yeah, there's enough money here. for everyone to go around. It's a, it's a multi billion dollar industry, and uh, that's why I don't mind dropping the jewels because the demand is there, and I'm not going to get all the placements. That's that's for that's for everybody else. Like you said, you don't make every type of music, and and it's important to just focus on on what you do well and put your your stuff places where you think it'll yeah where you think it'll if you win. make mariachi music make mariachi music and then put that shit in all the sync libraries because there's going to be a scene with some kind of latin american roots that will use that shit right like that's absolutely. it just do, do what you do well but you've been absolutely generous with your time and your knowledge man seriously appreciate you joining no us Thank here you. and uh all to all you humans out there peace and Peace among worlds. Hey. Let's go. <laughs> That's what we do Peace here. Peace among worlds and you flip <laughs> them off. That's yeah, rich. Exactly. All right, cool. Nice. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Peace and love. Fuck you. I like it. What's up, humans? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 43. We really appreciate you. Make sure you smash those subscribe and like buttons. Share that with your friends. Leave a comment. Leave a rating. It all helps us find more producers like you that want to hear this content. You have no idea how much it helps. Thank you. Now, please support our sponsors. The weekly download, which is access to over 200 lessons from our mentor, Ill Gates. Guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake, the best engineer we know. The first class is free. And Gangaroo Records Music Distribution, where you can get unlimited uploads for under $10. Those links are in the description. Peace out. 
and peace among worlds, y'all.